Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Derhodge of uh, Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, today I have a, a guest that uh, um, I can tell you the last podcast was awesome and uh, we had uh, some phenomenal feedback and that's Neil Cosby. So, Neil, thanks so much for coming back on again to chat with us um, and it's more specifically today on leadership. I am so happy to be here, Roxanne. I appreciate um, being able to come back and uh, provide my inputs and uh, listen to uh, your inputs as well, which are, are phenomenal. So let's just dive right in because, you know, in, in, at this time, you know, leadership more than ever is in the spotlight. Um, we are needing truly and looking, for, looking to our leaders for guidance, perspective, I would say strength and uh, safety in a time when, when there's, you know, a lot of um, uncertainty. So, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, what I call authentic leadership, which is just the capacity to be present regardless of what's going on around you. So let's talk a little bit about with uh, authentic leadership. What is your, like with companies that you deal with um, on an ongoing basis or just consult with, even if it's a one-off, what are some of the things that you've experienced with really um, authentic leaders that are connected to themselves? Yeah, great question. And uh, as uh, you know, but for the benefit of uh, people that are listening in, I'm in the nuts and bolts of HR. So I build the HR infrastructure, the, the performance. A lot of what I do uh, is around legislation, mandatory training, uh, kind of the regulations and the rules. And there are those that come because they have a strong commitment to wanting that in place so that their uh, employees feel safe, their employees feel confident, uh, their employees feel that they're knowledgeable and that they are ethically, morally, and probably legally uh, doing what they're supposed to do. But more than that is, um, it's not just a, a something that they're doing because they have to, or uh, a term I use, you know, cover your butt. Um, it, it comes from a place of caring, of valuing the employees. And, you know, more often than not, um, the, the leaders that can explain the rationale for why there is this, these certain rules, these certain policies, and they can speak to it and say it's important. Uh, you know, for example, there, there's a couple of pieces of legislation we do, uh, one of, of which is uh, the AODA, Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. Uh, I can tell you on the employee side, not always a, a popular uh, training to provide. And uh, again, uh, I've, I have um, experienced leaders that say this is, um, this is important uh, because, you know, th this represents customers to us and we want to make sure that these customers are getting the same level of service as anybody else. And uh, when you can explain it like that, uh, you, get, you, you can get better buy-in from your employees as to why this is important. So I would say that um, 
an authentic, like someone that's a, a leader is not just um, knowing um, the mission or the vision, but they're living that accordingly. So like if you look at the legislation in re reference to accessibility, you know, and I've been in those, you know, those trainings when I was at the hospital and it's like, oh, geez, I, yep. it's needed. It's needed. Yep. It's like the women's right that we all have to do. <laughs> it's yep. like, oh, no, here it comes again. Yeah. But the thing is, um, with the authentic leaders that I've been, um, you know, been privileged to spend time with over the, the tenure of my career, or even in, in interviewing lately uh, for this new book of mine, is that these are individuals, and I've heard this said, and I, I don't know if you would agree with the statements, that they are the same person, regardless of the environment that they're in. Uh, I would agree with that to, um, to a large degree. Um, I, I think how they carry themselves in the workplace vis-a-vis uh, -vis their, their code of conduct, their morals, their ethics is the same way they handle themselves outside of the workplace, mm -hmm. maybe just a different set of uh, rules and regulations. So uh, it's, it, it's a cliche to say, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's true. They continually, consistently talk the talk and walk the walk. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what environment they're in, they, um, they, they just continue to, to practice it. And that builds their credibility as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, if we know that a person outside of work is practicing this, um, you know, while there may be some debate about what, what does that matter, I think it does matter. Uh, and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so it, it makes for of a very trusting leader. It makes for someone that you can respect and um, you know that you're going to get the same type of authentic leadership um, in most cases. I, I, I think back to a, uh, a quote from one of my dear professors at Niagara College when I was uh, in at uh, what I lovingly refer to as HR boot camp. <laughs> and uh, she stated that walk around like you've got your kids looking over your shoulder all the time. Mm -hmm. And that has stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've actually mentioned that to a couple of leaders that I've worked with in there and, and ones that I really respect. And they say that that is exactly how I feel. So, so it keeps so, it on your toes then, right? Ultimately. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How would your kid feel? How would your child feel if you were acting in a way that was not keeping with authentic leadership or being an authentic person for that matter as well. So. Truly. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you something that may be a bit controversial, but I think it, it needs to be addressed. And I know when I was um, in health and wellness, mm -hmm. that certain sectors had certain types of pressures and in turn, uh, the leadership um, kind of aligned with the different sectors. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's a little bit, it, what I'm about to say may be a little bit controversial, but it is certainly not done with disrespect. I think in uh, some of the public sectors, leadership is still a work in progress. Um, and some of that comes from a place of, um, uh, you know, just, just not having those qualities. Uh, I also think that, um, you know, when you get into public service, you're more bound by rules and regulations mm -hmm. than what you would be probably in, in the private sector. So it, it's kind of structured into a box. And I think, you know, using the current environment we're in with COVID-19, I've seen a lot of people struggling. I've seen a lot of people, uh, it's almost like decision paralysis. 
uh, and they don't want to make the wrong move uh, for fear that it's the wrong move. And to a degree, I mean, we, none of us want to make the wrong moves, but we're living in an environment which none of us have had experience with. So just, you know, what, what I keep talking about with some of these leaders is, um, uh, you know, having contingency plans. Uh, we see, we, we take a look at it. We see if it works and if it doesn't or if things change, then we have adjust. You have to be, I think, agility, uh, malleability, and that word resilience are true qualities in a leader. And that doesn't matter whether it's private or public sector, but that may be something that we're not giving our leaders in the, in the public sector. And that's not to paint broad strokes. I've seen some exceptional leadership in the public sector, but um, I would say from my perspective, more so than private, there's, there, there's some real struggles right now. So. so in a way, some of the setup of what's existed historically, kind of uh, maybe some of the leaders that end up in that sector think that that's the way they need to behave. Mm -hmm. so, so they may not evolve. Or sometimes in private sector, you have a bit more latitude to be able to not sit within a particular structure. So yeah. people kind of, you know, maybe take a bit of liberties to lead in a different way. Leaders need to be proactive. They need to be knowing what's coming around the bend. Uh, or um, coming around the corner, I should say, um, and be able to deal with that. Uh, that's it. So um, it's, and again, you know, for some leaders in the public service, they're in a very public realm. And uh, that's a pressure that some private does not have. So they may have, whereas uh, leadership in a private may have one or two um, so-called masters, I'll, I'll use that term to report to. In the public sector, you've got many different masters and many different stakeholders that you have to, ref to um, um, refer, report to and provide different results to. Um, so that can, be, that can be a juggling act and sometimes, it, again, it can be extremely challenging for some people in that realm. Um, you know, and again, you, going back to our current environment with COVID, you've got um, your employees that are right now uh, really sometimes un, uh, scared with uncertainty. You've got um, other managers that are looking for your direction as well. You've mm -hmm. got um, your, your funders that are trying to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to. You've got your board of directors, which is also involved as well. Uh, some do it really well, um, and some, as I've said, are struggling. And I, I think the common denominator I'm seeing with those that are struggling is that, uh, as I've said, they were so uh, bound by structure that uh, this is all, all new to them. So really, I mean, it's speaking to, uh, we always have high expectations of people in leadership positions, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. But in this time, it's almost like um, the pressure is on and mm -hmm. it's becoming exponential going upwards from the front line all the way up to the C-suite. Yeah. So everybody's kind of, you know, reverberating, I'm going to use that word to some degree. Mm -hmm. And we're looking to our leaders even more so for leadership. So mm -hmm. that leader has to really uh, be in touch um, with his or her space um, and really understand themselves and understand what they're like under pressure mm -hmm. to be able to, to recognize that, you know, this is first, you know, we've been into this two months or so. How have I coped? You yeah. know, what, what is my go-to? 
What am I like when I'm well rested? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is my story? What is my backstory? Like as a leader, what am I telling myself? Um, yeah. And what do I need to kind of take care of so that I can have a different, even if I'm thinking, well, you know, um, you know, this is really, really horrendous. I still have to step out of myself, deal with what I need to replenish myself, come back and be able to lead daily or hour by hour. Yeah, I would say in, in the COVID times, the, the good leaders have risen to the occasion and the mediocre leaders have remained mediocre or perhaps even aggressed and done poorly. I also see a common denominator with the, um, the leaders that have risen to the occasion is they are um, getting uh, the information that they need. They are utilizing multiple sources. Um, they're not making decisions without having all of the information. Early on in this crisis, uh, I can tell you from a, a couple of, um, of, like, of things that I know with some, some leaders is um, they weren't taking this seriously and um, they weren't being that, those proactive people to find out, well, okay, it doesn't seem to be impacting us now, but can it? And it's those types of leaders that uh, were better prepared when this really blew up in the, in the middle of March, um, which seems like a lifetime ago. Um, <laughs> so so that, that element of agility, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it sounds like, or malleability or whatever you want to, that whole concept of um, how am I going to adjust on an ongoing basis because my trajectory is shifting hour by hour, day by yeah. day. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is that good leaders are the type that says, okay, then, I'm going to be open to new information and I'm going to shift accordingly to be able to lead us effectively, regardless of what's coming my way. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying because uh, Roxanne, this is with us uh, from all accounts. We're going to be dealing with this in some way, shape or form for up to two years. Um, So we could, you're going to have to shift gears quickly. You know, we're, we're on a good trajectory right now. Uh, we're reopening business here in Ontario, which is great, but this can change on a dime. So what, if, what do you have in place? And we've had two and a half months now, or almost two and a half months, to get some things in place so that as we're going along on this journey, um, okay, we're open, we're, we're getting back to normal or as close to normal as we're ever going to be. Boom, we've got wave number two coming in. What are, are we prepared to go back into lockdown and uh, still provide the same types of services uh, that we have been doing, although probably in a different way. Um, so, you know, at this point in the game, Roxanne, I would say uh, most leaders should have this all planned out right now. Um, and, and again, again, the it's a lot of information. We're all on information overload. Um, but that's where you also get your other, a good leader will get other people involved. They don't have to take this all on their own. We know that. And, um, but some pe- and again, some, some leaders, whether it's through a sense of, I've got to do this all on my own or whatever other reason, um, they, can, they can give other people some autonomy to um, take this and run with it, come up with things. And it's all about collaboration and working together. And, you know, the, one of the, the pivotal elements to authentic leadership is relational transparency, which is just what, like it sounds, Absolutely. it's yeah. about, you know, guess what? I'm your leader, mm-hmm. but I'm also a person. I also have family members I'm worried about. I have people that are compromised. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm worried about the same kind of things you are. Yes. And, you know, sharing a bit about what you might be experiencing as the leader versus mm-hmm. looking so put together or maybe you're so stressed that people know you're stressed, but you're hiding it. And then people are trying to kind of mm-hmm. uh, calibrate between what they're experiencing, which is like share you know, terror at times mm-hmm. to a leader that seems disconnected and not able to share a bit about him or herself to, to, to create that common ground. Communication has been so key in all of this, whether you be a private entity or a public entity. And uh, I think people do have to, uh, as you've said, just to dovetail on what you were saying, people do have to get personal. Um, there have been employees cry at work. Uh, there have been, you know, those types of breakdowns. Um, and again, as, as we know, and, and you and I have discussed, the mental health pieces that are now, that are now present um, and um, we don't know which way that's going to go. I, I project that it's probably going to get a lot more challenging and difficult for people. Um, that's got to be a key thing that leaders are looking at right now and getting those resources in to uh, support people and also be self-aware themselves that, hey, this is impacting me as well. Uh, you know, leader, leaders deal with this all day, and then when they have their downtime, what are they doing for their own self-care? And, um, you know, uh, again, the, the, um, some of the good leaders, but this is, I would say, a flaw in their character. They're sitting down and they're actually being self-critical. And uh, mm-hmm. I get that the point that they want to do a good job, but, um, you know, you're, you can only do so much. The other thing with um, leadership in these times is that, uh, you know, while some things have been put on hold and we're showing flexibility in terms of expectations, there's still some things that still need to be done and you still have a large degree of, um, of, of a need to hold employees accountable and responsible for what the job that they're doing. And uh, maybe you have to adjust it to account for COVID, maybe working remotely from home, maybe working with less employees, but it can still be done. I don't, the, uh, the good leaders will not provide free passes during this as well. If there are performance issues and they're legitimate, they get addressed just as it would be in uh, so-called uh, pre-COVID times. And that's a sign of a good leader as well. It may not be popular, but it's legitimate and it's rational and it makes sense. Well, and, and, and also, you know, when you have to make these difficult decisions, uh, Neil, you're, you're, the authentic leaders are making it in the best interest of everyone. And exactly. oftentimes mm-hmm. they're making the tough, tough decisions. Um, that's not going to make them popular, but it, it, authentic leadership is not about popularity and fitting mm-hmm. in. It's about saying what's in the best interest of each and every subset of my company and the board and everybody involved and sometimes inauthentic leaders in, in the, in the research and from others I've, experienced or um, talked to is that the people that get lost along the way are actually the ones that want to be liked. Yes, and I would concur with that wholeheartedly. I would also add to that that um, there I have encountered uh, leaders that uh, they don't want to deal, they, they, they shy away from conflict. Anybody can manage in good times. Anybody can manage when you've got rock star employees and uh, everybody, everybody's contributing beyond expectations. Mm-hmm. It's those leaders that when there are challenges, they're f- addressing it head on. 
Um, and there, I have had uh, experiences where uh, some of these leaders, for instance, in um, you know addressing uh, poor employees, poor poor performing employees, they just won't address it. And although you know uh, other employees around them, they may be verbal about it, but if they're not verbal about it, they're they're remaining silent uh, from my perspective because they're waiting for that leader to address it. And when they don't see any action, um, they're gonna feel put out by that. And um, you know, their, their morale is going to uh, take a hit and they're, and they're gonna feel perhaps that that leader doesn't care or you know, if they're too, if they're too um, quote chicken to deal with this employee, um, you know, anybody can get away with anything. And that's not a good situation either. It's the flip side of the micromanager or the manager that is um, really, um, in, uh, uh, quote, unquote, a hard ass and really riding people. So it's a balance, right? It's all a balancing act. But and I think I think you're speaking to something very, very important, Neil, because we what we talk about, it's like um, if you know there's an issue on your team, mm -hmm. And the team is watching you to see how you deal with it. If there's a, an ongoing, so it's the corrosiveness um, of you not managing that impacts all the really, really hard work that you may be using to develop trust. Exactly. Um, your integrity, um, your integrity takes a huge hit when it is perceived that you're, uh, you're not addressing things. And, you know, sometimes, you know, um, it, it's all about, uh, you know, there's some confidentiality with some of these pieces with poor performing employees. And uh, as best you can, if you are dealing with it, you have in some way, shape or form need to let them know it's being addressed, but it may take some time. That's certainly a message that I've had to deliver over, over in my time uh, as an HR professional. Um, it, sometimes, yes, I would like things to, to, to speed up and, and be done more, much more quicker as well, but I have to follow process in mm -hmm. some cases. There is no two ways about it. Um, but again, those leaders are, are, are they're, again, they are just not seen with the same integrity as someone who, you know, they nip it. The, the really proactive leaders, from my experience, they nip things right in the butt as soon as they get a whiff of what's going on. Right. And uh, they're doing it in a legitimate way. Like I said, not, that's not micromanaging. They, they know that if it um, balloons, it's gonna have an even more severe impact on their team, the operations of their organization. Um, and I know, um, I, I also find that um, some of the more exceptional leaders I've worked with they've been able to instill a sense of self-policing among their employees. Mm -hmm. So if it gets to their table, then something really bad has happened uh, for it to do that because the self-policing employees, um, you can't get a much more uh, better um, situation than that where peers are, call are calling out each other when it needs to happen. Because I think the level of trust is that yeah. uh, on teams, it would be that, you know, we have a responsibility to manage ourselves and then mm -hmm. they kind of keep each other accountable. So I could see how that kind of like to your point of it, if it accelerates that far up, it means that um, there's a lot potentially of dissension that's happening that allows things to get as high up as to the leader. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you. most most self-functioning teams will say, I individually take responsibility for my action, but I'm going to kind of work with you as part of my team and we're going to figure it out because, mm-hmm. you know, we're proud of what we do. We can, we're capable. We have differences. Good teams have differences all the time, yeah. but, they, and, but they work together. And I think, you know, the leaders in those organizations have instilled such a positive employee experience, such a positive engagement. Um, that sense of autonomy is, hey, you know, you're adults here. Um, we're not teachers or principals in a schoolyard trying to um, negotiate schoolyard fights. We, we believe that you have the wherewithal to do this on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be a point that it comes to us, but uh, we really feel that it should be few and, and far between. Mm-hmm. So. But it's also instilling in those employees that if they really feel it goes to that, has to come to that uh, C-suite level, managerial level, that there's no, um, uh, there's no, um, it's not going to be frowned upon that that was a bad thing that that happened. Let's just uh, talk a little bit about, you said like through this time, the good leaders have shunned. Mm-hmm. And the, the leaders that struggled uh, have either stayed or maybe even decompensated in their uh, leadership. What have you kind of seen out there? Well, in terms of the leaders that have risen to the occasion, yep. um, use that term above and beyond. And it also goes to that point I was saying earlier about uh, they may be burning themselves out because they're so concerned about their employees. They're so concerned that, um, you know, um, about keeping their employees physically and psychologically well. So they're the ones that are having constant communication. They're the ones that are providing the updates. They're the ones that are saying, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to do my damnedest to find out for you and coming back in a reasonable time frame. Um, The media, the not so good leaders, um, you know, from my perspective, they're not communicating. They're late in communication. Um, they're, they, again, they're just, they just seem paralyzed because they, they don't know what to do. I think it comes to a point of were they set up to be in those positions in the first mm-hmm. place? Uh, for, for many of them, from what I've seen, um, they, um, have, um, you know, they have had it, they haven't had to deal with anything in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, even if this is an unprecedented event, any kind of upheaval in their, in their workplace. And this, to have to deal with this as their first upheaval, that's got a, that's a tall order. And uh, I think we're going to see, uh, and I'm sure some of your other guests have said this since um, all this hit, since they've been on your show, we're going to see a pretty, I would say, radical realignment of what we see as good leadership from us. What if, do you think, what would be some of the elements that you think we'd see? What, what a, do you, you know, like yeah. to your point, right? Like, mm-hmm. Um, some people are kind of pulled up into positions because they, they, they've performed and maybe they haven't. So they, they may be technical in their ability and capacity, and then they get into management positions. So I often say those are leaders that you really have to work at mm-hmm. um, to accentuate or adapt their skills accordingly. My belief is, and I don't know what you think about this, is that, yes, you can have certain capacities, but you have to continue to grow as a leader. I agree with you, it, and I go back to an, uh, just to borrow an example from my experiences. It's it's uh, from a manufacturing background. Um, a good leader that was promoted, uh, or sorry, a good welder that was promoted to a supervisory position, 
was not a, was not good in that supervisory position. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the requisite, and I, I really don't like this term, soft skills, because <laughs> I think that those skills are bigger requirements than the so-called hard skills to be a leader, mm -hmm. some of which are innate, some of which are can be taught. Um, I, I'm of the perspective, I'm of the opinion that most, more of, more of them are innate than, than can be taught. Um, it's, it's just within you. Um, and I'm sorry, I've lost track of the question in my. <laughs> no, but, but I, but to your point about sometimes people are put into positions and mm -hmm. because of a certain aptitude and then the assumption is that their management, because they performed that they're, yeah. I will put them in a management perspective, you know, position that the, they're going to um, develop those skills. But my, my perspective is, um, yes, you have to have a certain amount of capacity, but the ongoing um, training and development of that manager has to be something that's ongoing. That manager has to understand his leadership story. Why am I doing what am I doing? What values am I bringing to leadership? Um, how self-aware am I? Um, you know, what kind of personalities trigger me? Um, yeah. All those things are things that you have to continue to learn because yeah. you're going out there and you're leading day in, day out. And if you don't have the skills and, you know, you're doing it poorly, you're doing more harm than you are, in fact, doing good. Yeah. And uh, that is um, a very important piece. We leaders constantly talk about, as they should, about continuous improvement of employees. That counts for them as well. Um, you know, so um, doing, doing some coaching sessions, taking some leadership courses and saying, okay, I'm done. I, I'm good here. No, as you, I completely agree with you, Roxanne. This is an ongoing thing because um, again, you know, things are going to be changing. And you were asking me about what do I see as some of the changes uh, that are going to happen. And I'm going to reinforce that now the agility uh, the agility, malleability, and resilience pieces are going to be stronger pieces mm -hmm. that are required. Um, because if, um, you know, again, if uh, things are going to go as they say, COVID may not be the first type of uh, pandemic that we deal with in the future, uh, or the only pandemic we deal with in the future as well. Um, and again, we've had so many what I call dry runs of this, 9-11, uh, SARS, uh, H1N1, the great blackout, the great recession of 2008-2009. Um, you know, so there is, there is a, a school of thought out there was perhaps this was predictable and why didn't we, um, why didn't we prepare for it better? And uh, I think with this now, that message is going to be even stronger and we're going to be looking for those types of things in leaders because, again, if people think that, and maybe it's not another pandemic that we deal with in the future, it could be something else. So, again, um, I think those qualities are going to be uh, assessed a lot better in the recruitment phase, assessed a lot mm -hmm. better in the selection phase, and part of performance evaluation on an ongoing uh, basis for um, uh, leaders and other people in the organization as well. It's almost like a simulated element that would have to be instituted as part of training and development, for instance. Um, more. Yeah, yeah, so that it, and I mean, you know, knock on wood here that it's not going to be another pandemic, but mm -hmm. obviously it showed us that the ability to be adaptive in change. Yes. 
uh, is something that's going to be a given in, in, in not only frontline middle yeah. managers or leadership. That's something now that I think all companies are going to be looking at to say, mm-hmm. uh, what did we do poorly? Um, yeah. What could we pivot kind of relatively okay? And what, did, what, sh- what should we never, ever do again? And um, coming up with the, you know, the new generation, how are we now going to, like you said, attract them, retain mm-hmm. them, and make sure yeah. they have the right skills? And I mean, again, it's a, it's a cliche. And uh, when all this is over, I'm going to write my book, COVID Clichés. Um, <laughs> but how employers are treating their employees right now, how leadership is performing, is going to be very telling when this subsides, uh, whenever that is, and whether employees choose to stay with them, uh, that organization. Uh, I don't think a lot of employees are going to look to move right now because it's just too unstable and, you know, Mm -hmm. the opportunities are not out there. But when things uh, recover, and we will recover, um, they may say, "Mm, this wasn't for me. But more to your point about uh, doing that, so those self-reflection pieces, this is also another time where you could possibly, you ask your employees, so how did we do? Mm -hmm. And I think that they need some honesty uh, they need some bluntness, and um, and more importantly, um, when you get the you get those answers that are not all positive about how it was handled, you need to address it and deal with it. To just ignore it after that is not going to build any more trust, respect, and integrity. So, be prepared, and it shows your willingness to say, "Okay, we didn't do the best we could." but we're going to take this as a learning experience. And those two core principles about trust and integrity, um, as we look forward, and I, like you're, you, I've heard you say two years and I've heard 18 months to two years where we're going to be, we're going to be in this gap potentially. Um, that, can you imagine what leadership needs, what needs to happen in that time? Mm-hmm. As it's we kind of- an easy job. No, because we're going to be potentially flat, trying to recover ups and downs. Yeah. Um, you know, people are going to still be in fear because they're going to be concerned about um, safety and within their jobs, all those things. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be looking even more so for leadership mm-hmm. uh, and to get that sense that it's going to be okay. Yeah. It was a tough environment pre-COVID to find uh, seasoned leadership. Uh, anybody who's in um, executive uh, recruitment will tell you that. Um, and I think it's going to be even tougher uh, to do if you have to um, look for somebody during COVID uh, as we're on this journey. Um, and then, you know, more to that is how many people are one going to be leaders in this time? So that brings up the question of what are organizations going to do to support their leadership? Yes, you've got expectations of them. Yes, they've got accountability and responsibility. But, what, you know, they're taking on a lot. So how are you going to support them? Um, what teams are you going to build around them so that it is a, a, a shared um, a shared journey? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Neil, this is uh, it's always my pleasure, and I I hope you'll come back. Um, I'm uh, in the process of, of writing my book, so I'm going to include uh, some of what uh, Neil has shared today in that. Um, so probably we'll have ask him to come back on and he's been so gracious already with his time to be able to kind of talk about how we've been doing or continue to do uh, um, post uh, COVID time. So for everyone listening, um, if you Neil's information will uh, be put in the show notes again.
Um, and Neil, you also have a webinar coming up. Um, I, I heard if you wanted to tell everyone a little bit about it, if they might want to get on uh, to get yeah. some more information, that would be great. Thank you, Roxanne. I appreciate that. So on um, May 31st, which is next Thursday, uh, it is the fourth webinar we've had in, in our series. And this one is, a, is actually on um, supporting employee mental health and wellness during COVID. Uh, very critical time. We still have a section of the workforce in the remote. We're working remotely. We've got some coming back to work and there's fears there. This has been a traumatizing experience for some. So uh, you can register at our website. Registration is open now, www.hrprime.ca. And I know Roxanne has graciously uh, provided that website in the, in the notes. And I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. And it's always a pleasure to be on your show and uh, uh, speak with you and uh, learn from you as well. So. Well, thank you so much. Uh, so for everyone listening, um, especially the leaders, uh, recognize that um, you need to take care of yourself through um, your space, uh, your awareness, your capacity, your understanding of yourself um, allows you the space to be able to take care of you and then in turn um, be open on an ongoing basis, which is not an easy job, period, being a leader, but especially through this time to lead. Uh, so be open um, to uh, be as agile as possible and uh, gain the skills that you need and get the right supports that you're needing so that you can be the best leader possible. So my name is Roxanne Durhage, um, and if you're needing anything, I'm a mental health and wellness specialist, um, and I talk um, or discuss uh, issues around authentic leadership. You can reach me at RoxanneDurhage.com. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit RoxanneDurhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.